Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond and this is a show where we make it easier for you to do hard things. Today I have a podcast favourite back on the show. You'll remember him from episode 68 and episode 100. His name's Digby Scott, awesome dude. If you want some of his backstory, make sure that you go back and and have a listen to those episodes because we don't jump into it too much today. What we're talking about is Digby's new book, Changemakers, which is all about making your mark with more impact and less drama. So this is really for people who are looking to change how stuff gets done in their environment, but also within themselves as well. And the book is really about sharpening your focus, amplifying your voice, playing it a little less safe, building a tribe, and getting traction for that that change agenda that you've been looking for. If you've listened to conversations with Digby before, it's pretty relaxed, it's pretty laid back. So I had a really fascinating time talking with him, as always, and I'm sure that you guys will enjoy getting uncomfortable with us today. Make sure to go and grab a copy of his book in any way you are trying to facilitate change, or thinking about facilitating change. Digby Scott, welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast for your third time round. Man, it's great to be back again. What are we going to have a conversation about tonight? Yeah, Uh, yeah. a lot of different things. I think they always go places that we don't expect Mm. when we start talking, which which is quite cool. For people who are listening, Digby, this is your third time on the podcast. I think you were episode 68 brought up episode 100 with me yep. about a year ago which is which is cool and we were just chatting there's been lots of stuff happening since then as well probably the big one for me is that I became a dad which is exciting it's uncomfortable at the same time <laughs> which is what it's all about really but you've been working on a whole lot of exciting stuff as well and I, I see on the table in front of us a, a copy of your new book yeah, that's my baby. Mm. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. It's even younger than your baby. It's uh, well, it's actually officially not yet born. Right? So, its birthday is, is going to be around the uh, I think it's the eleventh of April or something like that. Pretty pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, but you know we had a good look at the baby and we know what sex it is. And <laughs> yeah. It's got some fingers and some toes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So mate, it's called it's called Change Makers, about making your mark with more impact and less drama. Do you wanna kind of give us a little bit of a lowdown about why a book now? Wow, good question. Why a book now? The simple answer to that question is there's no perfect time for a book and I reckon I was waiting for the per- perfect time. You know, I thought of writing this book three years ago and then it was just other stuff got in the way so the the now reason is for it it's like i just decided to get on with it and actually have something in my hand which comes back to the well why a book to me a book is a really useful tool that anyone can take anywhere and get help from right so same as a podcast or anything else but having something to read why a book because i'm busy we're all busy Um, i'm not going to get to meet and work with every single person that I possibly could. So a book is a way of helping people in their own time. So it's, I guess, an asynchronous way of helping. And to me, I felt like I'd been working in this change makers space 
now for a good few years and it felt like I had enough stuff to share in book form. You know, I've written lots of blogs. I think I've written, you know, well over 100 blogs now in the last few years and I've helped a lot of people through the Changemakers program and the coaching work I've done. It's like, okay, I've got enough stuff to share now in a way that can make sense and is useful to have in a book. Awesome. And this was always going to be the book, The Changemakers. What do you call it? Do you call it an ideology or a... <laughs> oh, it sounds like a cult then, does it? It no. does a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe methodology, methodology or framework. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways it is a bit of a, a companion to the program, but I think it's also a really good standalone thing to have and to read to to inspire i mean the, the way i think about something like this book is that you know it is supposed to do two things one is it's to give you inspiration so to lift you up and to go actually it's possible to make change happen and here's some ideas from how other people have done it so it kind of lifts you up gives you hope gives you heart but i think the other side of it's not just the imp- inspiration but the implementation so how do i make change happen and what are the steps or what are the things i need to be thinking about what are the skills i need to be growing that can help me be a more effective change maker that's a, so to me it's a it's a useful book with heart with inspiration yeah and i think that's a it's a really important thing as well is that like there's a lot of motivational stuff out there which is good and it fires you up for 30 seconds but (laughs) it's not backed up with the practicality of actually how do i go and put all this cool stuff into action then yeah it's what kind of like mental masturbation almost yeah yeah and i've got a whole bookshelf as you can see over there um and probably 60, 70% of them will be like that. I mean, to me, I mean, isn't it like in life though? Um, you know, you, you can't just have ideas. Um, ideas are only useful if you put them into action, right? Mm. If you, and I think that's how you create progress. In fact, I was running a workshop today and at the, at the start of most of the workshops I run, I, I set up, well, I get, get the participants to set up what's called an insights and actions log. And it's essentially a piece of paper um, that you just draw a line down the middle of. And on the left-hand column, then you write insights at the top. And that's where you capture all the insights you get through the day. So, oh, that's a good idea. And not necessarily for me as who's running the session, but also from the other people in the room because we all learn from each other, right? So you capture all your insights. But then I say, you know, ideas are only useful if you put them in action. So the second column on the right-hand side is your actions column, so insights and actions. And that column you fill with ways in which you could use the idea. So to go, oh, that's a good idea. How might I use that? I could use that in my team meeting next week. Yeah. Or I might use it in the conversation with the client. We're in this sort of situation, whatever it might be. So then it becomes real. And yeah, you're not doing the mental masturbation stuff. You're actually going, actually, this is practical stuff. Because really, when we go to a workshop or read a book, you know, if we want to make change happen, it's about what do I do to put it into action? What's the action I want to take? So, so where would be a natural point to go back to on that? <laughs> That is a good question. I mean, I'm happy to replay any of that. Uh, we can probably even leave that in. Eh? People love ACDC. There's <laughs> my demographic of listeners, I'm sure, love ACDC. Yeah. Uh, so if you didn't hear that, that was my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> is uh, back in black. Yeah. But what were we up to, actually? So I mean, insights and actions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's actually segue. So I mean, we're talking about change and making change. Who is a change maker, or what is what does a change maker do? 
Oh, two good questions. And let me answer those in a few ways. So who's a change maker? For a person, I reckon a change maker's got to be restless, right? So I think there's a saying in the book I use, which is restlessness is the fuel of change, right? So if you've got restless energy, like, oh, I want to make something happen, that's the seeds of change making to me. So, you know, that, oh, I want to get on with something. And I, I see so many restless people that are just that little bit either unfocused or a little bit nervous or scared, which is okay, that aren't really getting as much traction as they could. So a potential change maker is someone who hasn't harnessed that restless energy. They haven't focused it, right? But also think at another level, um, who is a change maker can be an organization. So for example, there's plenty of organizations and even segments of society. I think, for example, like the the legal sector in New Zealand at the moment, after all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years around all the harassment and bullying claims, all that sort of stuff that's gone on in that sector, there's a move in the legal sector to be change makers, right? So, and that can be firms, but it can be the whole profession, right? So it's really about, okay, how do we focus the energy for change collectively? And so who is a change maker? It's any body of people or individual who has got a restlessness to want to make change happen. And the book and the ideas behind this whole thing is like, I say, how do you harness that restlessness and put it into productive action? Changemaker doesn't just uphold the status quo and make tweaks. Tweaks are actually okay, but I think they're not sufficient. To me, changemaking is about actually creating, maybe the metaphor, you know, we talk about making waves. It's, it's about making waves, not ripples, if you like, mm. so in a productive way. So to me, it's about saying, how could we actually fundamentally change how we do things? Now, that could be for your team. It could be for uh, your sector. It could be for New Zealand, whatever it might be. But to me, it's the ones who want to make an outsized difference, saying, look, this can't continue the way it is. And actually, fundamentally, there's some stuff that we want to change or I want to change. So, you know, it's about doing the hard work rather than just tweaking something. And so, for example, I know a good example might be at an individual level might be, you're not that happy in your work, so go and get another job. That's making a change. But are you a change maker? No, you're just changing environment, right? You're moving. And maybe that will set you up for something different. But it's like, actually, I'm frustrated in my work. To be a change maker, I think it's about going, okay, what is actually, what is the change I want to see happen in the world? Now, mm. Is it that actually we want to create a whole new way of doing things in this sector or whatever it might be? How do I contribute to that? One of the, one of the people I really admire is a lady called Gillian Brooks. And I don't know if she's been in your podcast, but she should. She set up a social enterprise called My Kids Village. She, she lives in Newtown in Wellington. And she, at the time, was a, a mother of two kids under five years old. And she was incredibly frustrated as someone who was working full time that it was really hard to find services in her local area that were childcare services that she could easily access and get to support her kids, whatever, after school care, whatever it might be. So she said, okay, well, this is frustrating. Uh, what do I do about that? And she set up My Kids Village, which is a, essentially a portal for parents in their local community to access childcare services easily for young kids and it's now something that's gone viral across New Zealand and it's there's uh, there's my kids villages all over New Zealand which is essentially an online portal for parents in a local area and providers to advertise on the site their services in a way just to connect parents and services together now she's a change maker because she went here's a problem 
and here's what I'm going to do about it. And she got on and made it happen. And that was, I don't know, two, three years ago. And she's still working. She's still working full time. This doesn't pay her way. But it's certainly something that's increasingly growing and consuming her time. And I really admire that. She just decided, you know, I'm not just going to put up with it. I'm going to do something about it. So as that's an example of someone who I see as a change maker. I want to explore that a little bit because there's a lot of people that I think sit with frustrations like that, that there's something that's going on that isn't right at the moment. And I don't know if this was just a problem that Gillian had had identified straight away and then went and did something about it or if this had been brewing along for a, for a little while. And I think like in terms of kind of big changes that I have made, it's always been a slow burn yeah. in terms of I've got more and more frustrated and fed up and fed up and all of a sudden I've kind of reached a bit of a tipping point yeah. that has manifested in in change yeah. um do you think about change makers like that as well as that hey maybe you're a change maker waiting to to yeah. happen you're yeah. not there just yet i love that change maker waiting to happen yeah i reckon we i think the slow burn really resonates with me too it's like what links to that for me is there's lots of things we could tolerate and be frustrated with and one of the things i ask people to think about is what's your big question and your big question is that when you think about it and you think about it being answered, it would change the world in a way that gives you sweaty palms that really excites you, right? Because there's lots of stuff you could change. But what's the stuff that's really meaningful for you? And so I think it's about locking onto something you care about, but taking your time on that. Because, yeah, you could you could spread your energy in a hundred different ways and not be effective in any of them. Be locked onto one that you really cared about for now and then focused all your energy into that. And so for me right now, it's about developing more change makers. So my big question is how can I contribute to that there being more change makers in New Zealand? And that's fueling me, it's driving me, it's focusing my efforts. You know, I wrote a book because of that. And I think, yeah, you want to slow burn that. It's also got to be one other thing I think is helpful is to is to listen to what your life is telling you. Parker J. Palmer, I think, said that. Like, listen to what your life is telling you. So rather than you know, try and make up your purpose or your you know, your life's mission or whatever it might be, just stop and go, what has my life been telling me so far? If you do a bit of a review of your experiences in your life when you've had high points and low points and you think, what have those things been about? Like in the high points, what's been present for me that's really lit me up and I've really got energy for and in the low points what was missing what was lacking what did I forget about that I maybe I could have had in my life and both of those highs and low points if you look at the the themes you'll go ha ah, life's about that you know so for me one of the big themes is when I've had high points is when I'm going into new places discovering new things meeting new people getting out of my routines and the low points is when I've been in routine and stagnation and nothing's new and I'm just kind of feeling like I'm going through the grind. So to me, a big theme in my life is around change. And so I center my work on the change stuff. But that's took me quite a while to work out. And so I think change makers in waiting can, it's okay to wait for a while. But on the other hand, don't let fear stop you from trying stuff. Right, and that's a big theme that you and I talk about mm. in the other podcast, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's a, like one of the reasons that I asked that question is is kind of selfish as well, is, be, <laughs> is because 
when I think about the times that I am fulfilled in life and that I'm, I'm feeling lit up, it is, it's those challenging situations. It's those points where, hey, I'm, I'm stepping into something new. I'm doing something that is a little bit uncomfortable. And the low points have, like you, been the, the real routine stuff and mm. the, the process-based stuff. But also it's kind of when, I, when I'm just sort of drifting along in, in life as well. And I think like a big part for me was developing self-awareness around that as well uh, and kind of knowing that this is what is important to me. So it's kind of taking the time to stop and ask yourself some of those questions yeah. every now and then. Like it's yeah. good if you can sit down and, and do it for a big block, but most people don't do that. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to start off with five minutes yeah. asking yourself that question and then just build it up and train yourself to, to do that. Yeah. I actually did that the other day, right? So I was feeling a bit flat, I don't know, two or three nights ago. And I was like, yeah, just kind of flat lining, you know. Mm. Um, in fact, I wrote a blog called Avoid the Flat Line. And even my wedding ring uh, is a... Uh, it's a sort of a circle of lines going up and down in sort of mountainous sort of patterns. You know, it's the waves and the ocean. And it's like you know, the idea of avoiding the flat line, I was like, because, you know, you want to really be experiencing highs and lows because that's where you learn the most and you can really experience what it feels like to be alive. You know, I was feeling flatlined and I thought, okay, I know that this won't last, but how do I get out of this space? And so I went through my journal for the last year. I just sort of pulled it out in bed and I was lying there just reading through the last probably from about I don't know June last year I was just reading my notes about what I wanted at you know what I was lighting me up at the time and what I was hoping to create and do and uh, you know what was important to me and and just I could feel my energy lift just by sitting and again doing what is my life telling me and what what is the older version of me know is important that actually I need to be reminded of today. Little processes like that, it's like, ah, oh, that just lifts me and it gives me more conviction, right? Um, one of the, uh, the book centers around these four C's that you want to cultivate. So they're curiosity, courage, connection, and conviction. And conviction is like purpose, right? If you've got conviction for something, you've got a deep belief that, and you're convinced, and it's the same root as the word conviction and convinced, that something's important and you've got fuel for that right that that give, that's the fuel to keep you moving yeah so to me it fueled me up by just reading my journal and going ah yeah that's right this is what i want yeah and so for example it was a little bit like i've done the book now what and that was the flat line is that saying goal set through not up to so you set a goal publish the book but the goal set through bit is beyond what's beyond the book and start to think about that and it was actually the realization that I haven't yet booked in an adventure. I usually go on a hot weather adventure in winter somewhere. And so I was like, okay, I now need to activate that. I mean, now is it going to be Fiji? Is it going to be Sri Lanka? You know, somewhere where there's waves and go surfing and stuff. It's, and so now I've got that in motion as the next thing to bring into being. Right? And that's a conviction I've got around the, the travel and the, um, the adventure stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that reviewing your journal, if you don't journal listeners, then I'd really say it's a great way to, at the very least, get your earlier self to better remind you of your current self, what you're about, you know, so to go back over your journals is so powerful. Mm. If someone, say, for example, is starting out with a journaling practice, Mm. like what's an easy way to begin? 
I think it's Morning Pages is some of my favorite podcasters recommend this process. And I don't know if I follow it to the letter, but it's pretty much like do a page in the morning for like two or three minutes and just write. Don't edit, don't think, just write. Just write what's on your mind. And it's the process of just writing down stuff that you know no one will ever read. It's, it doesn't even matter if you if you ever go back and look at it, but it's just actually a process of getting out what's in your head onto paper. And what I find myself doing is if I just go, look, I only have to write a paragraph or a page, whatever, then it makes it easier for me. And also knowing that no one else is going to read it is also good because then I can just free flow, right? And it's not about making sense of it. It's not about analyzing. It's just going, what's on my mind? I'll just write that down. And I reckon if you could do that every day, and even for like, if it's just five minutes, either in the morning or actually often I write in the evening before I go to sleep just to kind of reset my head. Yeah. So little things, I reckon it's to start small and don't worry about perfection. There's no perfect way to journal. It's the process of just getting stuff on paper. Yeah. Almost yeah. like purging your brain. Yeah. And purging. Getting, That's the word. Getting that stuff out of Purging. There Great that. word. Yeah, and by the time this comes out, actually, there should be a mini podcast out about purging your brain. So awesome. go back and listen to that one as well. That's a long segue into the four C's that you talk about <laughs> into the book. So you've talked about conviction. We've talked about that already, kind of, kind of like your purpose, but the curiosity, connection, and courage. Do they have like a, a hierarchy or an order that you... Sh- no. No. Um, yes and no. Uh, so the way I draw it, it's like a it's a Venn diagram, and there's three you know Venn diagram with three circles, which are curiosity, connection, and courage. They all overlap, and then there's a big one around the outside of them all, which is conviction. So to me, that's like the glue that holds everything else together. That mm. if you have conviction for something, you believe passionately in something, and that's where your big question can help. Like the the big thing that you're trying to answer that's really meaningful for you, gives you a sense of purpose, that keeps you moving. And the other qualities, ones that just help you be, help you on the journey. So for example, connection to me is, it's about how are you connecting to other people? Practically, it's like, what's the quality of your network like? And do you have relationships with the people that can help you make the change happen that you want to see in the world? How effective are you being at building those relationships? I've been thinking a lot lately about the power of connecting with different people and different people with different perspectives. In fact, I'm running a webinar on Friday on being with difference around how do we sit and be and relate to stuff, people when they're different to us. I'm reflecting on what's been happening in Christchurch, obviously, you know, and what happens when you don't tolerate difference. And, you know, that's an extreme example. And the power of, of harnessing Harnessing is not the right word. It's it's being willing to be uncomfortable around different people, different belief systems, different behaviors. And that curiosity, so link, that's what's a vent because they all overlap, right? Being curious about, so how do they see the world and what can I learn from that? And what how could that help my change-making mission, you know, by bringing in a different perspective? I reckon the world at the moment needs more of that a willingness to... Not just go, yeah, you're cool, we'll just say, yeah, you're great, we'll bring you in. But actually, the willingness to sit with the discomfort and be honest about that, yeah, I'm different to you. And while that's uncomfortable, I reckon there's value in that. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. It does. And while you were talking about that and kind of sitting sitting with difference, I mean, you do that 
within I mean even within a country like New Zealand there's there's different people there's different cultures I was having a yeah. conversation with a guy yesterday actually uh, Brando who he'll be on if he hasn't been on the podcast yet he'll be on the podcast maybe next week but he was talking about moving when he was in high school moving from the North Shore to Cromwell yeah that's different yeah but I, I think um, like one of the big things is travel is is amazing yeah. for being able to go and look at the way different way people do different things and I mean probably the the one that I've experienced the most the biggest difference is when I went to Japan absolutely loved Japan like it's an it's an amazing place if people haven't been then go but also it's there's there's western elements there but there's so much difference as yeah. well and it's amazing to see how they do it and it, a lot of it is so different to the way that we do it here in New and Zealand. what can we learn from that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And But also what the, the questions that come from that for you as well is like, actually, why do I think that this is the right way to do things? Yes. Like why there are all these other options that equally is valid. I found that, you know, probably not as extreme as that Japan example, but as an Australian mm. moving to New Zealand. And just noticing... In retrospect, the differences between the cultures and kind of feeling it when I came here, about what I can't put my finger on this. And even today, in a workshop I was running, someone said to me, You're Australian, aren't you? I said, Yeah, why? She goes, Oh, because you say good day all the time. I'm like, Oh, yeah, we don't say that so much in New Zealand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, not, I, was, I was blind to it. And mm. I think that the power of travel, I think, as is, is you're alluding to, is the ability, the, the the potential to help you remove your, at least see your blind spots and remove them, right? Mm. Or at least go, oh, I've got a blind spot. Huh. Or there's a different way that I didn't even realize. I think learning another language is another mm. way into that, right? Uh, because the language is a representation of thought patterns and belief systems. And the construct of a language, if you can... If you go and learn Japanese or Mandarin or something, it, it, it lets you into a different way of thinking, you know, and I think that's great, you know, go and lean into difference like that. You know? But it doesn't have to be as, as extreme. I think it's the the weird person in the cubicle next to you, right? Or the person on the train who you you just have written off. A colleague of mine, Jennifer Garvey-Berger, remember her saying at a conference once, what are you not learning from the person you've written off? And it was a really quite provocative statement. Like, well, something like that. What are you missing out on learning by not engaging with the person you've written off? You know, what's the cost to you by doing that? It's like, hmm, that's a fair question, you know. And so to be able to sit with the person you disagree with or the one who makes you uncomfortable, you know, what, what are you not learning by not engaging in that conversation? Mm. Yeah. I mean, even with that, that could be with your partner or significant other as well. Is <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, there's even differences with that as well because you're you're coming from similar contexts, but different different contexts, different backgrounds, and like the way that you view the world compared to the way that they view the world based on their experiences. Yeah, probably similar-ish since you've ended up together, but there will be differences there, and actually. Kind of exploring those those areas where you butt up against each other a little bit, yeah. and understanding the other person's yeah. 
perspective based on on their context yeah you can learn so much absolutely from that you know you got me thinking about echo chambers and filter bubbles and all that stuff in the online world i mean how mm-hmm. you know Facebook's accused, I think probably it's true, that you know we, we get a filter of information based on what we like and people mm. we are similar to, right? So, And what are we missing out on and how do we know? And yeah, I think there's some really interesting tools out there that can help you just unfilter all that stuff and get the whole stream. Yeah. You know, at macro level, it's about this is the stuff that creates extremism, right? It creates intolerance. But also, you know, at, at simple levels, like, you know, in leadership programs, I'm always trying to so work with a bunch from a big government department, a bunch of leaders. And we took them to a small startup, tech startup, you know, where everyone, including the CEO, you wouldn't actually know by looking at people who the CEO is because she's wearing T-shirt and jeans just along with all the hipsters as well, right? And we had all these government senior leaders come along and in their suits and stuff and spend a day in this completely different environment and being in dialogue around how do you do that stuff? How do you tackle the people stuff and all that? And, you know, it was mutual learning. It was amazing. But there was also, oh, geez, we don't even, you know, we've got all these rules in place that we actually don't need. Look at how it works here. It's a bit like going to Japan, right? It's like Mm. you don't have to go to Japan to go to Japan. You just go into a different environment for a bit, right? And, and, uh yeah, being willing to just to, to sit with difference. Yeah, it's a big question, as you can tell. It's on my mind at the moment. How do we help people do that well? Yeah, yeah and I think actually that's kind of a, that's a nice segue into one of the questions that I wrote down. I told Digby that I was a little bit sleep deprived before we, <laughs> before we start, started this. I don't usually write too many questions, but I thought, oh God, what if I just mind blank? But the discomfort around change. I mean, we're kind of talking about that already, that like change is inherently uncomfortable yep. for people. I mean, I'd, I'd be really interested to, to hear your thoughts about why you think that is, yep. but then also to lead on to how do we start to tackle that? Lovely. Yeah. Why do I think it is? I reckon it's uncomfortable if we don't have a sense of agency. And what I mean by that is if we don't have any autonomy, if we don't have any sense that I'm playing a part in this. So I might have talked about this in a previous conversation, but I'll talk about it again. From Western Australia, love Western Australia, love the summers, love the beaches, love the water. My son the other day, uh, my 12-year-old son was saying, oh man, I wish we had beaches and the ocean like we do in Western Australia, right? And he's, he's lived here his whole life pretty much and he's still saying that. Right? Yeah, so well, we're living in New Zealand, we have other cool things, yeah? And my wife was really keen to come back and live in New Zealand and I didn't really want to. And I was resisting change because she had the agency. She was the one saying, let's move. And I'm like, no, no, I want to stay here. I'd go into passive resistance and I'd avoid conversations about it and all this stuff. And I went and saw sort of like a mentor, counsellor sort of person and because I thought, I've got to get my head around this. I've got to get my head around this change because I want to honour what Kate wants to do, move to New Zealand. But I need to I know I need to be in a different headspace. Otherwise I'm just going to come with massive resentment and resistance. And she was great. She says, you know, you're talking about it as though you're being the one forced down in some sheep race, uh, going into purgatory sort of thing. And you know, you are you have no agency. You know, you just do it. So she goes, I think you need a reframe. And you need to think of this as a this move as a chapter in a in your life, and you're the author of the chapter. You're writing the book of your life, and you're going to write the the, the chapter called New Zealand, right? You're going to have the pen, and that 
reframe just changed everything. And I remember the moment she said it, I was sitting in her office and I, I still remember it to this day, the power that that reframe has. I went from victim, if you like, like a resistor to someone who could actually choose how I'm going to do this. So to me, one of the biggest issues is if we don't have a sense of agency, if we don't have a sense that I can be a player in this game, then change is always going to be done to us. And yeah, change is, is happening all around us. It's what's our sense of agency? It reminds me of Dan Pink's work on motivation. You know, he talks about you know the, the three main drivers of people being motivated is you know, there's sense of purpose, which I call conviction, a sense of mastery that we're moving towards learning something. I guess you could link that into curiosity. It's like always learning and growing. But the, the other one is autonomy. And, and we all, humans have a, a deep need for a sense of autonomy. And this is also linked into the SCARF model, the neuroscience stuff around SCARF's an acronym. And, and you know, A stands for autonomy. Our brain needs to have a sense of autonomy that we, we have agencies, in other words, to use it. So, so to me, if, if I have a sense that here's what I can control, here's what I can actually do here, then I think change is easier because I can start to be someone who's a player in it. It's a long answer to your question. How do we start, become more comfortable yeah. with change? And I, and I guess, well, how do we create agency for ourselves in, yeah. in these situations? It's probably like journaling, isn't it? I mean, the same answer, start small. It's to say, how, start with a small change. Start with, what, what's something I can change? In fact, there was, again, this workshop I was running today was all about creating a coaching culture in their organization, right? And these were relatively senior leaders, but they weren't the most senior in the organization. And towards the end of the workshop, I was saying to them, okay, if change is going to happen, it's going to happen from you guys in this room, right? You are the ones who are going to create change in your part of the organization. So you need to come up with action plans that don't require any other sign-off or permission or you know, sort of some sort of mandate from the top. It actually has to be something that you can action tomorrow without any any of that other stuff, right? And I was really quite strong and specific on that because I've seen too many times we go, oh, look, I need permission. I'm better, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that, but, you know, the boss might not like me. Maybe I need to go and write a business case for it, whatever. There's too much of that rubbish around, I reckon. It's like, okay, what can you do now that will create change? And if you do that enough, and you actually are deliberate about it. And I'm, I'm quite hot on designing, helping people design experiments. So what's something you can experiment with changing now that a number of people call it the safe to fail experiment, that if you tried it and even if it failed, it wouldn't bugger stuff up, but you could learn or you could make some sense of progress, then that's going to be a good thing. What you're doing is you're building your change muscle right? because you're learning about how to have agency and change. And I reckon... We often think of change as this massive, big thing that's being done to us, and you know, and oh gosh, oh. and it's because we don't have that sense of agency. Let's build the agency muscle. Let's build the autonomy muscle. You know, and the way to do that is, yeah, design an experiment. Try this out in the Change Makers program, and it's in the book too. I talk about the distinction between a striver and a trickster, and the. And I kind of borrowed this from Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Love, and. This idea that the, I think she uses different language, but my language is the striver is the one who's trying really hard to make change happen. And it's like, and it's all head stuff and it's like, and you're trying to shake it all up and it's just putting a lot of energy into it. You just, 
the trick's just like holding it lightly going, ah, I might just try this and see what happens, you know? And no biggie if it doesn't. But you're kind of not as emotionally all tied up in the whole thing. And I reckon the most effective change makers at any level are the ones who have that lightness about them. They're like, let's just try this and see what happens. Well, you know, so again, the experimental curious mindset as opposed to this must happen and we must get it right. Because if we're driven by that, then failure looms large and we get scared and you know, it, 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 we'd start to try to control everything and then it gets out of our control and we stress out and others stress out. And you know, so hold it lightly. Another long answer, Chris. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on I fire. And I think another way that I think about getting better at doing uncomfortable things, which is kind of like change as well, is it's, uh, I mean, I come from a really sort of physical background. So mm. it's like a progressive loading program that you would do when you're running or when you're at the gym is that you, you start with something that's a little bit more than what you could there lift you last time and you, you, you work on that and then you kind of slowly build up and that's get bigger and, and pick those things that, yeah, a, a little bit of change and then a slightly bigger change and then a slightly bigger change. And every now and then you're going to test out something big. You're like, okay, all right, this is, this is a big change that I'm, I'm going to have a go at it and we'll see if we can get it. I'm not sure that I can, but if I don't quite get there, that's all right. That's can, the holding it lightly. I can come back, I can do a bit more training, and then I can have another go at doing that later down the track. Absolutely, eh? Absolutely. And this is, I think, that's why the Venn diagram of the, the C's, you know, courage to me is about trying something that's a little bit hard, maybe not being guaranteed of success, right? Mm. One of the things that I reckon helps is the connection bit is the people around you who have got your back and want to see you succeed, you know, and are, are also going to push you a bit. You know, so mm. with the book, for example, one of my big fears with the book is what if no one likes it? You know, it's it's a crap book, and you know, and I, I just am diminished in the eyes of others and all this. And I decided now that's a pretty negative mindset to have around creating the book. So instead, I decided to tell people that I knew wanted me to be successful, and I have a lovely network of people in that camp. And so I just said to them, I'm writing a book. I'm writing my book now. And they're like, awesome, can't wait to read it. You know. And then I'd share the introduction with a few of them to go, what do you reckon? Am I on track? And they're like, oh, yeah, great. You know, I tweaked this. Blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it was about I knew these people would both push me but also be there for me to help me keep moving in a you know, lifting me up way. You know. So there's the, I think that helps with changes. You know, what's that saying? You you're the average of the five people mm. you hang around with yeah. the most. And if you have people that are also wanting to go and make change happen and are wanting to help you change and be you know, and grow and improve and make a difference, then you get momentum, right? And and what I do now is I have a list of these people and every Friday, which is usually my work at home day, I'll call one of them and I'll just, you know, there won't be any agenda, but it's that what I find with after or during and after that call is that we've both leveled up. You know, we've both gone a bit more to our edge and we're going to go and try something new and different. You know, so mm. having those good people in your network, I think is fundamental. And kind of to ex- kind of extend that working out metaphor, it's like having a spotter at the yeah. gym just to help you with that, that last little bit. I'm interested actually in the network that you have cultivated of your spotters or whatever you want to call them how did you go about 
choosing those people or finding those people and bringing them in yeah what a great question man how did i do that that's an ongoing piece of work i think i mean my 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 approach probably if i think about it out loud is look for the energy if there's energy generated in a conversation as opposed to sapped If there's energy generated in conversation and that recurs over time, then it's probably someone I want to hang around with more, right? You want to be around energy givers. And I think what I've done is I've I've become more discerning about that. You know, I've 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 got a sense of my time is valuable. Who are the ones who are who are lifting me up so my time feels well spent? But also it's a and generally it's a mutual feeling. You know, I think it, uh, if it's not a mutual feeling, it's probably not going to last. So yeah. if I'm hearing that actually that was a great conversation, I'd love to have another conversation with you, Digby, and I'm feeling the same way. Yeah, let's carry on. So it's nothing more than that, I think. And But I've also put myself in the way of opportunity. And, and what I mean by that is that I've gone and sought out communities or places where the people that I think I might like to be around hang out. And to be honest, I've also created a bit of that. So the Changemakers program is, in a selfish way, a tribe of people that are kind of like me in that they're restless and they want to do big things. And because then I get to hang out with them. You know, I get to hang out with them and we all lift each other up. But also I've done that through, you know, there's a program I do in Australia where I go over three months and spend three days with bunch of great thought leaders that lift me up as well and I lift them up and I've become a mentor on that program so I can help others do that so there's a lot of I don't know it feels really abundant actually you know it doesn't feel like I've limited that it's, it's not like I only need five maybe you only need five but to me it's like actually I love a big broad network I don't have to see them all the time you know like these I might call one person once every three months but that's enough you know but they know we can we could talk every day if we wanted to yeah Mm. yeah and it's in deciding to invest the time as well i think like i had a big workshop today i keep referring to this workshop man <laughs> it's obviously but, a memorable one i wanted to be there by eight but i decided to meet a colleague at seven for a quick breakfast and we hardly we're both really busy right and we hardly ever get to see each other and i was like now let's do this so seven o'clock we met a cafe in wellington and uh, you know, forty-five minute, really good quality conversation. Right, got to go. Yeah, got to go. Awesome. See you soon. We probably won't see each other for another three months. So, carving out the time to invest in nothing else, else but just sharing ideas with people that lift you up. Like, that's that's a gold investment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My tribe of people. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, I mean that's why you've been on the podcast three times. I think you've been on it the most. Maybe you and Joel. I think he's been. He's had three. Joel. Joel Bouzet. Oh yeah. He's had, he's awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. had three times on here as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's so much energy from that guy. I think as well, like when you when you're starting to look for people like that, it can be really quite challenging. But it's like we were talking about before. It's building a muscle. The more you do it, yeah. Because the people are out there. This is I don't know the hundred and forty odd conversation that i've i've had on this podcast with amazing people and admittedly you're three of them joe's <laughs> three of them so it's probably about roughly 100, 140 uh, yeah. about 135 <laughs> individuals just kind of pop up and i'm like that person would be amazing to talk to let's go and it's set that up. it's like a tracks like right mm. and who else do you know 
right? So if you've got one cool person that you like to hang out with and you get energy from them, who's in their network that you don't know yet, right? Mm. One and three of you get together. Yeah. You know, and and then maybe that'll lead on to something else, right? And I, I it's a long game. It's a long game. I remember when I when I was planning to move back to New Zealand, so I got my head in the game, you know, after that counselor mentor conversation about being the author. Then I did a recce trip over here. Like a, I came from Perth. It was, I think it was like 18 months before we were planning to move here. And it was all about just starting to get to know who's who here in the work that I do, who do similar things and get a bit of a, uh, what's the lie of the land and who are the cool people. And it was nothing else that that. It was just, let's get to know some people. And I mean, in some ways, you could, you could say it's seed capital. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's the seeds of, of a network, because right, I didn't really know that many people here. I knew a couple of people. So I started with them and I reached out to them before I came over. And I said, well, who love to have a coffee, whatever. But who else should I be talking to that you'd recommend? And they connected with two or three people. And then I had meetings with them. And on when I spent, I think, a week here and I met all these people, I probably met, I don't know, a dozen, 15 people in the week. And then about a year later, I, you know, I did it again. You know, six months before coming here, I did it again. So I recontacted a lot of those people and, you know, the tree grew. Right? So there's more people from there that the branches spread out. And I remember about a year after I'd moved back here, I did a mind map and I went right back to the two people that, you know, were in the middle who started it all. And then mind map who they referred me to and it was really interesting how many people knew, or knew each other and oh you should talk to so and so and then the three people are saying you should talk to so and so so okay they do it they're worth talking to right and but that was the game i was playing it was like the just play the long game and and don't try and design it don't try and orchestrate it it's show up to each conversation with an intent to add value to help and and if you can do that and it's a mutual value exchange, then do it again. You know, that's the uh, come in with questions, but also come in with how can I be curious? How can I help mm. this person? Right. How can I help them? Yeah. Awesome. Got another one more big ish question for you. Nice. Because I want to understand how you think about impact. Do you want to ask me a bit more about that or is um, that the question? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I know that your book is for people who want to to make impact, yeah. and I know that you I know that you think well. I mean, regardless of what we do, we're creating some kind of impact uh, mm. on the world around us. Mm. Maybe how do you think about say orchestrated impact? Oh, what does that mean? Orchestrated impact, like designed impact? Yeah, like, designed impact. Oh gosh. I don't think I think about that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, there's a saying in the book right at the start, which is you cannot not impact. Mm. And that to me is the first thing you need to realize is that regardless of whether you're showing up or not, you're having an impact. You know, on some, Your absence has an impact, right? Mm. And so then the question becomes, what impact do you want to have? Now, as I've got older, I reckon it's my belief about impact is less about changing some massive world thing that's cool if you want to do that that's great but i reckon at the end of the day if you're living a life on purpose that you're going this is what i want my life to be about this is how i want to spend my time these are the people i want to have around here's the difference i want to make 
And that can be just having people, I don't know, be more deliberate themselves or something. It might be having people be fitter, whatever it is. I reckon that's enough because I think if you're on purpose, if you are you have your conviction clear and you're living that deliberately, you can have a 10 times impact compared to if you weren't. If you were someone who's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life and you know I'm a, I don't have any agency, it's going to be really hard to make any sort of positive difference. And at the end of the day, it is actually quite selfish because when you have a sense of I'm living on purpose, you're living much more with joy. And Christine Langdon, I don't think she's been in your podcast, has she? She hasn't, but no, uh, there's one for there's you. someone that I need to reach out to. Yeah, actually. now she's all about joy and the joy of giving. Right? And I think if you have a, that if you feel like you're giving your gift by living on purpose, that's both awesome for the people that you hang around with and deliberately choose to, to, to be with, but also just, you know, your own life's worth living, right? Your own life is way more meaningful. So coming back to your original question, how do I think about impact? I think it's less about orchestrated and measured and, you know, I've achieved this amazing thing like Elon Musk, you know, doing something at that scale. Could be, awesome, but it doesn't have to be. I think it's more about a sense of if you're living a purposeful, meaningful life that is bigger than you, that's probably the thing I would say, actually. It's, it's If your meaning and purpose in life is not about you, it's about someone else or something else and having that something or someone else be in better condition because you've been around, then that's impact. And I think then it's about, you know, how big do you want that to be? That's up to you. I mean, yeah, I... Yeah, it's a bit of a philosophical answer. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe kind of like the the pursuit or the process of something rather than the outcome. Well, well said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you know, if I died tomorrow, then well, I'd be dead, so I wouldn't know. But there'd be a sense of just before I die, I reckon I'd be going, "Nah, it's been a good life." Mm. I feel a bit ripped off because I. I want another fifty years, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be like, "No, nah, cool. Okay, yeah, that was good." And I reckon I've done some good stuff. Awesome. You know, that's impact, right? I think, it, I mean, it is so attention out. And that's a phrase I use a lot. It's what's uh, attention out is, attention in is it's all about me. And attention out is it's, it's all about something else, someone else, a group of people, an issue. And your focus is on service to that other issue. Um, you don't need so much attention in. So I think the shift to attention out is a, a good way to, have an impact getting but deep still, here bro yeah but still being aware of like we were talking about the highs and the lows what your attention out how what that is creating inside of you at the same time when are you at your best is a really important question one of the things i do um i was talking at a conference a couple couple of months ago great conference called getting shit done and uh yeah we it was awesome actually we're running another one a bit of a plug but we're running a getting shit done conference on the 5th of june in auckland it's called getting shit done dot club and it's 75 bucks and uh, it's an afternoon, five speakers. It's all about how do you get shit done. It's quite, we, we treat it, holding it lightly, you know, lighting mm-hmm. up. Anyway, I was talking about this conference. I said, there's, you want to go and ask five questions of um, people to help you identify you at your best. Because when you know that, that's a clue into your sweet spot and your sense of purpose and how you can make the biggest difference, right? And let me see if I can remember the five questions. So the first one is, what's the first thing you think of when you think of me? And that's like your brand, right? And how, how are you 
perceived, right? And often I get, you know, energetic and collaborative and smiley and helpful and challenging and all those words. Cool, good brand. So ask that question. Second one is, what do you see as my greatest strengths? And that's about, so from your perspective, what am I good at, right? And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for playing to your strengths rather than trying to fix your weaknesses. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff been said about that in the past. I think it's like, if you know what they are and other people can tell you what they are, own it. And, you know, just play to that. And so I often get, you know, you ask good questions, you're a good listener, you know, a good facilitator, whatever it might be. What's the first thing you think of? What's my greatest strengths? What What do you see as my greatest accomplishments is the third one. So like, how have I applied my strengths? Like, in what way have I made a difference is another way to ask that question. What do you see as my greatest accomplishments? It's like strengths applied. The fourth one is actually, when have you seen me at my best? And so... For people to reflect back to you, I've seen you on fire when. So what are the conditions under which I thrive? Right? That's another way to ask that question. But when have you seen me on my best? Like, okay, those peak experiences, that's when you know I was doing this sort of work, using those strengths, whatever it might be. And then the fifth question is kind of like the closer, which is how have I made a difference to you? And that is the kind of, it's like the rubber hits the road. So what sort of impact am I having? on you what difference do i make to you now i encourage people to ask these questions to a good range of people that they know will give them honest answers and have their best interests at heart right so this is not like a 360 where we're critiquing how good you are at something and highlighting gaps and what no this is all about strengths-based stuff and i say usually go to 15 as a minimum maybe up to 30 some people love to do it face-to-face and have an interview. <laughs> That'd take a long time, I reckon, if you did all of those. Mm. What I've usually done is I've given them a call, say, look, I'd love for you to answer these questions. This is why I'm doing it. I'm just wanting to get a sense of you know my strengths and I'm sort of thinking about how I want to grow and where I want to put my energy. Would you mind answering these five questions? And then email them. And they email them back. And then I cut and paste all the answers into a table. Or you can do it survey monkey, whatever. And then I look for the patterns. I don't say, oh, she said this. How cool is she? I have to buy her lunch, right? It's more 15 people said that one of my great strengths was I'm a good listener. And when I first did that or did this exercise, which is probably 20 years ago, I was gobsmacked by the stuff that they saw that I didn't see in myself that I wasn't owning one of them actually was what was one of your greatest what's what he says my greatest accomplishments i just set up my, my own business my own practice in coaching in perth and i'm going that's not an accomplishment i've only started the bloody thing right and they're going no 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 that's an accomplishment because you decided to leave safety and go into self-employment that decision is an accomplishment i'm like wow okay some people see something there that i'm not owning right now, if they can see that that gives them inspiration, I should use that. I should use that knowledge in a way. So, you know, it's about helping other people move from safety, which is what this podcast is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these five questions, I've done a blog on it, and maybe you could put a link to the blog um, in that with a video of, of that and the template you could use. Yeah, I reckon looping right back to, you know, self-knowledge, right? You know, and how can I best show up in the world to make a difference well that's a good starting point that's you're looking quite stunned yeah yeah no i'm just uh just 
Just trying to, just adding together all the people that I, I should ask. Yeah, well, ask me. We've had three right. podcasts we together. Have, That's probably have. enough. We've been, been a few hours, so yeah, I'll, I'll, send, you, I'll send you an email. Dick yeah, Dick. mate, dude, I expect it. But you've answered, you've answered my regular questions multiple times, so I'm not going to ask them again for you. Oh, thank God. Actually, I'm going, to oh. ask, I'm going to ask one of them. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? Oh, yeah. I am going to do a course in Sydney in June called Speakership. It's a three-day course on being an awesome public speaker. And it's going to be uncomfortable because I know I'm going to have to get up in front of a group of my peers and be picked apart and critiqued. (laughs) Hopefully in a good way. This is what I'm imagining is going to happen. And... That's uncomfortable because, you know, that critiquing bit and you could do this better and you could improve. And like, yeah, that's like I'm going to have to be vulnerable, right? But I know that the benefits will be more than the pain because when I do public speaking, it's something I don't do a lot of and I like to do a lot more because I really come alive when I do it. So it's like, okay, let's go into the crucible of learning and let's accelerate that process. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. I'll look forward to watching you speak afterwards as well. Come to getting shit done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're doing this pre-getting yeah. shit done? And- uh, actually, no. Getting shit done's on the 5th of June. The course is on the 25th of June. So okay. it'll be the next thing after yep. that. Right. Who knows what I'll that come is. And, I'll come and watch that one. Yeah. Mate, two short questions for you left. But I want to just say thank you again for having me out, making me cups of tea, bringing me choppy biscuits. Just phenomenal conversations again. But also thank you for helping people in New Zealand, but also all around the world as well, create change and, and make change. It's, it's super important work and um, yeah, I love to be part of it. it. Mm. Yeah. Easy question for you first. Where can people get the book? Cool. So really easy. It's digbyscott.com forward slash cm book so change makers book cm book is where you can buy it directly from the website uh, you can also get it from amazon as well so just look, digby scott change makers you'll find it there awesome mate do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week i want to ask you listeners the question that jennifer garvey burger asked me so what are you not learning by avoiding or writing off the person you've written off you'll know who that is what are you not learning from that yeah, it's a good challenge. Digby Scott, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me again. Pleasure, Chris. Good to see you, man. There you have it, team. I hope you enjoyed that one. I got a lot out of having a chat with Digby again, especially, I mean, you guys know that I'm all about kind of continually trying to get uncomfortable in a new way and growing from that. And change is a a really vitally important part of it. So if I can get better at creating change and adapting to change, then so much the better. Uh, So I've got a copy of Digby's book. It is awesome. I really encourage you guys to, to grab that as well if you're looking to facilitate change in your environment or in yourself or if you're just thinking about facilitating change, uh, you're just in that kind of preemptive stage, grab it. Hopefully it'll push you over the line. Thank you, as always, to Jyland for your editing. Thank you to my brother Jeremy for the amazing theme music. Thank you guys as well for taking the time out of your schedule to get uncomfortable with Digby and I today. 